Praise God. Well, let's give Jesus a hand tonight. If you love him, give him praise and glory. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's good to see every one of you tonight. I'm excited. You came excited and expectant? Came ready? Amen. God's going to do something good for every one of us. Let's just lift our hands all over this house tonight. Father, we thank you for your mighty anointing. We thank you for your power. We ask you now that you would open up every heart. Let us receive what you have for us. Don't let us miss what you've planned and set aside for this service and all these services. But let our hearts be in position and our ex expectation in the right place to receive exactly what you have set aside for us in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. And if you believe it, shout aloud, amen. 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 Listen, we want to take a second and just thank everybody that's watching online on Facebook. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, share the broadcast. This is going to bless somebody tonight. If you're here in the room, pull your phone out. Share the broadcast uh, from our page, Ted Shuttlesworth Miracle Word Ministries. And uh, it's going to be a blessing to somebody. It's good to see my friend Edwin drove in tonight. God bless you. Got your crew with you. God bless you, man. It's good to see you. I'm excited. I came ready. And uh, today as I was preaching, I never announced this this morning, but... Um, the Lord spoke to me before these services began, and he said, whatever portion of the service that you uh, are, are you know, in control of, because Pastor Brian and I, we're going to kind of tag team through this week, but he said, whatever portion of service that you're in control of, he said, I want you to minister to God's people on the redemptive benefits of salvation, the redemptive benefits of salvation. Some people think that all salvation is, is God giving you a way into heaven. It's not fire insurance. Amen. That's not all salvation is. In fact, there are many blessings that accompany salvation that many people don't even want to talk about. Some of them are ashamed of the benefits of salvation. Some of them are afraid to get persecuted for talking about it. But we're going to talk about it. Amen. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, in the book of Revelation, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 11 and 12. And these two verses of Scripture are actually very descriptive in regard to the salvation that you and I now have. And it actually tells us a little bit about what Jesus did when he died on the cross and was raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven. And uh, here in verse 11 and 12, we're seeing a picture of angels that are singing a song about Jesus. Angels have gathered around the throne and they're singing a song about Jesus. And that's exactly what this, this two verses is, is showing us. Let me read it to you. The Bible says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering, now this is the ESV, it says myriads of myriads. Uh, in another passage, it says it a little bit differently. It says 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And I could get into that and preach on that because I'm telling you, there's some powerful things. You've got angelic assistance helping you tonight as a believer. And uh, angels are working on your behalf. Did you know that the book of Hebrews tells us angels are ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister to those who have inherited salvation? Somebody say, that's me. And so you got angels working on your behalf. Angelic assistance belongs to you. In fact, if you want to read more thoroughly on that when you get home, read Psalm 91 and read about all the benefits, how God protects people that belong to him. 
Amen. But here it said that they were gathered around the throne and uh, verse 12, saying with a loud voice. Now you got to catch this in your spirit. This is powerful. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive. Everybody say to receive. So stop right there and understand Jesus died to receive some things. Jesus died to purchase some things. He didn't die just to purchase one thing. He died to purchase multiple things. And the angels are getting ready to list seven of them right here. He said, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive, what are they? Power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The Amplified you have on the monitor says the all power and riches. Hallelujah. Somebody say riches. And wisdom and might and honor and the my translation glory and blessing and blessing now let's just think about this for a second because Jesus didn't die to receive them for himself he already had them he didn't need to get them I mean, what do you think Jesus needed to die so he could get power he had power he had power before he died how do you think dead people were getting up and demons were being cast out and you know the sick were being healed it's because he already had power in fact, he said out of his own mouth, uh, I've, all power has been given unto me. Amen. All power has been given unto me. Not when he died, when he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we took this morning service to preach on part one of that, which is power. Glory to God. How many were here this morning and you were a part of that service? You know that Holy Ghost power is living on the inside of your body. And so we started the first redemptive benefit of salvation is that you get power from on high to do what God's called you to do. But number two, I want you to see listed right along with power is riches and wealth. Somebody say riches and wealth. Wow, a lot of people shouted when I said power and it was relatively silent when I said riches. Somebody say riches and wealth. Amen. You have received a covenant of riches and wealth riches and wealth in fact the Bible doesn't downplay that one bit it doesn't say well you know you have salvation and you know God also wants you to you know do well financially no no it lists it in the same sentence with power hallelujah riches wealth it talks about also glory honor might Dominion, power, these things all belong to you through salvation. But it doesn't downplay it one bit. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, it said, though he was rich, talking about Jesus, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty he could make you, say it again, say it loud, so that he could make you rich. The Bible said that. That's not some minister's interpretation. That's not somebody who came up with some scheme to sell a book on the New York Times bestseller list. That was God breathed from the Holy Ghost into the Apostle Paul as he wrote that letter to the church in Corinth. That came out of God's mouth and out of God's spirit. Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty he could make Make you rich and in fact that verse of scripture second corinthians 8 9 comes together with revelation 5 12 to show you how he became poor that through his poverty people say well you know jesus was poor you won't find that in the bible 
You're not going to find that in the Bible. You won't find through reading the Gospels and find some pauper that was walking around, didn't have enough money, and had to sit around wondering how he was going to make it. No, he not only had money, he traveled with a staff of 12 men and provided for them wherever they went, got their place to stay, made sure their food was there, paid their taxes, had one of them was just designated to watch over the money bag as the treasurer. Let me just say, you don't need a money bag if you ain't got no money. And Jesus was not poor. The Bible says he went to the cross in a custom-made garment. That's what a seamless garment is. You know what seams are for? So that when you buy a suit or a dress off the rack, then they make sizes, but the size don't fit your body exactly. So what do you do? You take it to a tailor, and they can raise up the sleeves, they can take in the middle, they can take in the pants, whatever they got to do. But where do they do the alterations? At the seam. Which shows you that if Jesus was wearing a seamless garment, it was something that was made just for him. Went to the cross wearing a custom-made garment just for... And it was so nice, the Bible says, that the soldiers around the cross, they skipped which, what, what was considered to be the standard operating procedure for crucifixion, which was to tear up the clothes of the person who was getting crucified. They said, we can't tear this thing up, man. This is bad. I'm going I'm to throw some dice, and whoever wins the dice game is getting this coat. And that's why they did it. They didn't do it because it was a piece of junk full of moth holes. No, they, Jesus came wearing something nice that they all wanted. And they threw dice for it, cast lots, the Bible said, so they could take it home to their house. Jesus wasn't poor. Jesus was blessed. People use scriptures out of context. Well, you know, brother, the Bible says foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You think Jesus went through his entire life with no place to lay his head? You think he was just like all night long, just trying to balance, even though he was sleepy because he had no place to lay his head? You think Jesus went around and had no place to stay? If you read the Gospels, you know what you'll find? Is the disciples came to him at one point, and they said, Hey, Master, where, where are you staying? And he said, Come and see. And he, they went with him. You read it in your Gospels. The Bible says they went with him and abode where he stayed all day long. And people waited upon them. That means Jesus either owned a place near Galilee or he had enough money to rent or lease a place near Galilee. And it was enough for him and his disciples to hang out there, fellowship. Jesus wants some guy living in abject poverty. But the Bible says he became poor. But when did he become poor? That's the question. The answer to that question is, he became poor at the same time he became sickness. And at the same time he became sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He who knew no sin was made to be sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You think Jesus was walking around the earth sinning? You think Jesus was getting up in the morning, my God, I feel like going out and having a couple cigarettes and getting high because this ministry stuff is hard work. No, Jesus was not sinning. He never sinned, the Bible says. No guile was found in his mouth. There was never a time in his life that he committed one sin. If he had, his blood would not have been good enough to redeem us from sin. And so the Bible says when he was put on the cross, that God took the sins of the world. 
and put them onto the body of Jesus and made him to be sin so that he could crucify sin to the cross. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Jesus was never sick a day in his life. He wasn't walking around coughing, asking for medications, having his disciples join hands around saying, oh guys, you know, I, got, I know we got this meeting coming up, but oh man, I just, I got, <laughs> I can hardly breathe, you know, I got, I got the flu, I got emphysema, everything's trying to come on me, I don't know what in the, no, no, he never had to ask for special prayer from his disciples, you know, it's just been hard, you know, I mean, oh, it's taking a toll on my body and this arthritis getting at my joints, and I don't know if I can make it down there to Jericho, no. Jesus was not sick, never a day in his life, but he became sickness. I said he became sickness, took the sickness of the world and put it upon his body. And when he took stripes upon his back and when he was crucified to that cross, you know what he did? He put sickness and disease on the cross and crucified it there and destroyed it by his power so that we didn't have to be sick so that we didn't have to be diseased so that we didn't have to die early but he became sickness and in the same way that he became sin and he became sickness he became poverty on the cross not while he was living, on the cross. And he became poverty. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 8 9, once again, Christ became poor so that you might become rich. You know, you know what religious people do? Well, brother, you know as well as I do that that verse means to become spiritually rich. Hallelujah. No, doesn't mean that at all. If you study that in the Greek language, it's the Greek word pluteo or plutos, which actually means natural physical wealth or riches i want you to say this with me tonight by faith i'm anointed to be wealthy say it again i'm anointed to be wealthy once again to make the devil mad i'm anointed to be wealthy You've not been redeemed so you can live in poverty. You've not been redeemed so you can live in lack and debt and credit card debt and on the verge of bankruptcy and not being able to pay your bills and not give an inheritance to your children and have to struggle to try to find change in the couch to get gas money to get to the store. That's not your story in Jesus' name. You've been anointed to have an overflowing life filled with the blessings of God that make rich and add no sorrow unto it. Hallelujah. Say it again, I'm anointed, I'm anointed. To, be to be wealthy. Amen. I'm anointed, you're anointed to be wealthy. That's what the Bible teaches. It's an anointing. I said it's an anointing. And not only is it an anointing, Jesus died to receive it so he could give it to you. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches or wealth. Died to receive it. Why? So he could give it to you. He was headed to heaven. He didn't need any riches. He was getting ready to walk on streets of gold. Let me tell you how opulent God is. You know, if God thought riches were a bad thing, like a lot of religious people teach, well, you know, brother, it's not good to have too much. It's just wrong. It's bad, brother. Shouldn't have it. Shouldn't have it. Don't want it. If that's really bad, then God himself would have nothing to do with riches. If riches are bad, if wealth is evil, then God who is totally good would have nothing to do with riches and wealth. In fact, let me show you this. If, if riches and wealth are evil, and if there's some pathway into darkness and, and, and all this, 
You go through the Old Testament and find all of God's covenant men. Who do you think made Abraham rich? The Bible says God made him rich. Who do you think made Isaac rich? Who do you think made Jacob rich? Who do you think made Solomon rich? Who do you think made David rich? Who do you think made these men overflowing in wealth? Who do you think made Job rich? Who do you think made Noah wealthy? The one who made them wealthy was the covenant God that they served and obeyed his commands. And God promised, I feel the Holy Ghost, he said to his children in Deuteronomy 28, he said, if you'll obey all the commands that I'm giving you this day, then I will set you on high above all the nations of the world. Hallelujah. You will lend to many nations and you will never borrow. Hallelujah. He said, if you'll only obey me, I'll bless you. Do you know one of the things that we need to recognize is that the Bible teaches that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Say that, I'm redeemed. From the curse of the law. I went through the curse of the law because I want to know if I'm redeemed, what am I redeemed from? You know, so well, the curse. Well, what is the curse? I want to know what it is. And I went through all those verses from Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 to the end of the chapter. And I said, What are these curses? And do you know, I went as I went through, I counted each thing by verse by verse. And when I came to the end of my study, and you can do it for yourself, 63% of the things God said would happen to them under the curse had to deal with finances and their economic welfare. 63% of the curse was financial. And God said, if, you'll diso if you disobey, if you fail to obey my commands, these things will come upon you and overtake you. And over half of it had to do with how they did with their money. And see, Christ has come and redeemed us from the curse of the law. Can I tell you, money's affecting everything in people's life nowadays. People are sick because they're stressed out over money. They have stress-related illnesses, is what doctors are calling it. Anxiety attacks, panic attacks, chronic depression... They have stress-related, high blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes. All these things are coming upon people because they're stressed out. What are they stressed out about? Their financial welfare. They don't know where the money's going to come from, how they're going to pay their bills. You know, there's people that are struggling today in their mind because they don't know how they're going to stay afloat for the next come upcoming year. But Christ said, I'm going to anoint you to be wealthy and walk in overflow so that it doesn't matter what's going on in the natural world. It doesn't matter what the government does. It doesn't matter what the economy does. They're not my source. They're not your source. I'm not blessed because we live in America. I'd be blessed if we lived in Zimbabwe. It doesn't matter where we live. The, our blessing's not based on geography. I feel the Holy Ghost. It's not based on where you live. Our blessing's not based on if Democrats or Republicans run the White House, Congress, or Senate. It ain't about what my blessing is. My blessing has nothing to do with whether we're in wartime or peacetime. It don't matter what it is. I go all the way back to the Old Testament and find the prophet Elijah who was living during a time of famine and drought. And there wasn't enough for anybody to have anything. God said, let me just show you something and take you somewhere. And sat that man down next to a flowing brook called Kareth. 
And he sat there, and as often as he wanted it, he pulled clear, crisp, clean water out of the brook and drank as much as he wanted. And as everybody knows you can't live off of water, he needed some food. So God sent ravens to him on a daily basis. And ravens brought him morsels of bread and meat, and that man just sit there. He didn't have to go find it. He didn't have to search for it. He didn't have to hunt. He didn't have to gather. God caused the blessing to come to him. It had nothing to do with the government. It had nothing to do with his friends. It had nothing to do with his social media following. It had nothing to do with anything other than he served a God that knows how to provide for his family. Woo, glory to God. Say it again. I'm anointed to be wealthy. Not to struggle, to have more than enough. I said to have more than enough. Woo, glory to God, more than enough. Why? Well, let me, let me show you this before we receive an offering tonight. I want you to see this because God set up a way for you to be blessed. Amen. It's a system created by God, not the devil. God's got his own systems. And he's in charge of them. Which means the devil can't creep in and pervert them. Hallelujah. Seed time and harvest belongs to God. God in the Bible is called the Lord of the harvest. Not the devil. The devil's got nothing to do with your harvest. God's the Lord of the harvest. Seed time and harvest is his and it will never cease. As long as the earth remains. Somebody say as long as the earth remains. There will be cold and hot, summer, winter, day and night. And seed time and harvest, they will never cease. Glory to God. Now, here's what's wonderful, is that we're living under a covenant that we have access to because of what Jesus did. Now look at Genesis chapter 12. I'll read you just a few, few verses here. The Bible says in verse 1, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Your name great. Your name great. Your name great. I can't stand here and be like, well, brother, I don't care if anybody knows my name as long as they know Jesus' name. What? That's stupid. Well, brother, I don't care if they know my name as long as they know Jesus' name. God said, according to this covenant, I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. There's a reason we're still talking about Abraham today. And not some random guy from history. We don't really know what his name was. God never told us. No. God blessed him. Put him head and shoulders above the rest. And made his name great. You know, you know Abraham carried such power. God gave him so much wealth and influence. That literally he had his own privatized army. Of men that lived in his house as an army. And would travel with him. And fight wars with him. And win wars with him. Mighty men, hundreds of them. They lived in his house. He fed them, paid them, and they would go out and defeat other armies. He went, listen, Abraham was not a nation. He was a household defeating nations. Oh my goodness. 
He was a household defeating nations. I said he was a household defeating nations. Let me encourage you with a thought today. What other nations can't handle, your house will be able to handle. What nations can't get away from, your household will get away from. What other nations are suffering with, your house will never suffer with because you serve a God that can increase you to be bigger than your enemy. Woo! I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. You can't be a blessing unless you're blessed. And people get all cliche, well, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You ain't even blessed. I hear people say that, I look at you go outside, don't let my car fool you, my treasure's laid up in heaven. That's a bumper sticker. Don't let this car fool you, my treasure's laid up in heaven. Well, you know, your treasure that's laid up in heaven does you no good right. on the earth. Right. Well, brother, my treasure's all in heaven. Well, get some of it down here, would you? And pay your mortgage. You know, can you imagine calling your mortgage company? Uh, you know, you're 90 days past due. Well, but don't let my bills fool you. My treasure's laid up in heaven. That, the guy on the phone with the mortgage company is going to call you insane. And they're going to send the police to come lock your doors up and possibly take you to jail. <laughs> Don't let these handcuffs fool you. My <laughs> blessings. <laughs> no, your blessing does you no good if it's stuck in heaven. You've got to learn to pull it into the earth by faith and obedience to this word. God will honor his word. Can you say amen? Say it again. I'm anointed to be wealthy. The Bible said, I'll bless you. Make your name great. Make your name great. When you do what God's called you to do, what he instructs you to do, it will cause you to get pushed to the forefront. Abraham's son Isaac went to live in a place that God showed him where to live, got so blessed. Think about this. Got so financially blessed, the king of the nation showed up at his house. I said, listen, we're going to have to ask you to just go ahead and go somewhere else because you've become too great for us he looked at let me just explain to you what that meant he was increasing at such a, a rate he had so much being added to his household that literally the wealth that was flooding into isaac's house and his possessions was causing the nation's currency to be devalued and the king was like we're gonna have to ask you to go because you stick around here any longer it's just it's crushing us you're too great for us you're too big for us please go somewhere look when they show up at your house from the white house i'm like could you please move to another country or form your own country because you got too much for america you got a, a lot of blessing flowing into your life when governments are asking you to move somewhere else and god wants to bless you to such a degree that you're not sitting there thinking all night long when you go to make a purchase on amazon.com do i use the red card the blue card what are we honey what did you i told you not to use the blue we were there paying off the red card you're not supposed to use the red card Getting a whole fights in your household over which color card you use. I told you not to use that one. That's got the APR that's over 20%. We're not supposed to get it. 
People, and you got wife scratch marks, husbands, across your face like she's the cat woman because you used the red card when you were supposed to use the blue card and everybody's bent out of shape and you have to sit up there in your house, can't even buy Cheerios for your kids. You had to buy Toastios because they were 19 cents cheaper at the grocery store. Instead of buying Fruit Loops, you bought Fruity Rings because you didn't have the money to bless your kids with the, you people are like, what do you eat for breakfast at school? Your kids, I eat Fruityos. What in the world are the, I don't know got a half-dead pirate on the front of it. I don't even know what it is. Kids have to suffer through it. Your kids are wearing hand-me-downs from other people's hand-me-downs. Where you come to school and your clothes are so old that they're back in style again because that's how many hand-me-downs you've had. Well, brother, we're blessed to be a blessing. Really? What shoes are those? Literally, I was a kid. There's a there's a kid. There was a kid in my neighborhood, man. He got some new shoes, and I was like, man, those are clean. He had some white shoes on. I was like, bro, who makes those shoes? And he was like, man, I don't know. My mom bought them for me. I was like, take them off. I didn't ever seen a brand like. I didn't know what they were. I said, look, let me see the shoe. And he pulled it off. He showed it to me. I looked inside. The brand was called Shoe. If you got a shoe made by a company called Shoe. Listen, don't do it to your kids. Don't make them go to the basketball court with a shoe called shoe. Get somebody some Nikes. Get somebody some rip. I'm blessed. My family should be blessed. Ain't no way some cigar-smoking, adulterous banker should have more blessing in their life than me. When I serve the Lord, I have a covenant-keeping God, the provider who is in heaven. I shouldn't have somebody who doesn't even serve him that's more blessed than my family. My kids will be blessed. My grandkids will be blessed. My friends will be blessed just from my overflow. Shout yes. Who makes that suit? What's a company called Suit? I'm not sure. (laughs) I'll bless you. You'll be a blessing. Now catch this. Verse 3 is so powerful. These fruity rings taste stale. Yeah, they've been on the shelf for nine months. Ain't nobody touched them but you. We don't buy cereal from up off the shelf. We buy it from the bin down here where it don't even have a box on it. It's just in like a clear bag. Let me tell you, God didn't redeem you. Hear what I'm saying because people, we need to hear this. God didn't redeem you so you could hold me up. Hear me. So you can hold me up. I got stuff going on. I got, I got stuff I'm trying to do for the Lord. Don't hold me up while you clip 92 coupons at the front of the store. You're saying, I think I got a coupon for that. And you're sitting there cutting out 90. You got a thing. You got a stack like you're the IRS with a stack of coupons at the front checkout. Just buy it at the regular price. It's only $1.92. I got a coupon. It should be down. Cut it down to $149. I tell you. Now people are getting held up. People are late for work because you had 92 coupons because somebody won't tell you that the power of God's enough that you can be blessed and overflow and stand in a place of wealth and riches. Not because you're greedy, because Jesus died for it. Well, I don't know if I want that kind of blessing. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jesus shed his blood. Precious blood. So you could be blessed. 
That's how much he loves you. I didn't really fully even understand the love until I had my own children. I had my own kids. And I started to understand what love is really about. The way you feel about making sure your kids... I quit, I mean, you know, you become an adult, Christmas don't mean the same thing to you it used to mean. I don't, you know, you realize I'm not, I'm not up all night in my room like this, <laughs> Santa's coming. <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, presents going to be around the tree. I, I don't do it. Christmas ain't the same to me as it was when I was a kid. But guess who it is real like that too? The kids. And you know what the heart of a father does? I can't wait until, sun, until Christmas morning. When we go out there just to see, I don't even look at the tree, I'm looking at their faces. Because I want to see, it makes this father's heart glad to see my kids come out and see the presents around the tree and their faces glow and they run out, they don't want to eat breakfast, they don't want to brush their teeth, wash their face, they come out looking busted. Got hair going this way, hair going that way, crusty face, I mean, I got to get my presents. I see them come out excited. They got them present. And this daddy's heart gets excited. I, oh, here come. While my kids are about to get blessed, I can't wait to see them laugh. I can't wait to see them smile. I can't wait to see them play with the stuff I bought. Yeah, I'm, they get excited. And you know what? I'm excited about that. My wife's excited about that. It ain't about us. It's about seeing the kids blessed. How do you think God feels when he gets an opportunity to bless his children? He's sitting up in heaven, getting, as Pastor said, getting ready to laugh. He's watching you. It makes him smile. It makes him happy to see you blessed, to see see you overflow to see you stand in more than enough if you think it brings God pleasure to see you struggle through life and not be able to pay your bills and not be able to do what you feel to do not bless the kids have to sit around fighting over money with your wife or your husband that don't make God happy you think it would make me happy to see my kids have to come in for, for, for dinner at night say look we just didn't have enough so we just made you some that's why anybody been to the Japanese place you know the hibachi who's been to the hibachi you get the hibachi dinner you know it comes with salad and soup and you know before you get your thing I don't even eat the soup because it offends my faith yeah, I call it poverty soup you go into those places and again we got just we made some soup for you it's water it's yellow water with one tiny piece of floating tofu in there that ain't soup I call it poverty soup I won't even eat it take it away take it away from me right now what are we in 1920? Are we living in the Great Depression? Go make me some soup. Put some stuff in it. I can make yellow water. That ain't soup. Take it away. Good Lord. Well, you get a free soup with the meal. That ain't soup. I'll eat the salad, but take that poverty soup out of here. Imagine my kids come in for dinner. And they have to sit at the table. So hungry, bellies rumbling. And in the pot, mom just has a big old bone with water around it. Boiling water with a bone in there to get some flavor on it. And try to throw some saltine crackers she took from the Wendy's salad bar. <laughs> crumpled up. Here's your dinner, kids. Really love you. Really want you to be blessed. Have some bone broth with some stolen crackers. Oh yeah, God takes pleasure in that. Oh, he's so, like, he, he lets us depend more fully on him. Imagine that. I mean, we say this stuff about God and, and, and put, it, put it in our own 
put it in our own thing. Man, my, my daughter, you know, you imagine? Well, you know, she's not been cleaning her room, to be honest with you. She hadn't done one task I've asked her to do. She hadn't completed any of her chores. You know what I got to do? I want her to depend more fully on me, so I'm just going to give her cancer. Because I want my daughter to depend more fully on me. That's how foolish this talk is. Well, you know, my daughter's not been doing what I asked her to do, and she's not been, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually drag her through the mud and put poverty in her life and steal everything good she has and make her struggle financially for the rest of her life because I want her to lean more on me. No, no loving father wants to see their children struggle. And your God is no different. I said, your God is a loving heavenly father that knows how to give good gifts to those that ask him. Hallelujah. And the Bible says here that he'd bless those that bless you and he'd curse those that curse you. Hallelujah. And the see, that's what the Bible's talking about when it said Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So he goes on to say that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles through faith. Somebody say blessing of Abraham. I want you to lift a hand to heaven and say, thank you, Lord, that the blessing of Abraham belongs to me because of Christ Jesus. I will be blessed to be a blessing that you will bless me and make my name great. People will know who I am because of my ability to bless. I'll have more than enough. Not just enough for my bills, my responsibilities, but plenty left over to pay other people's bills, to bless other people, and to help other people. That's it. So what does God do? He gives us the ability to step into his system that he created, seed time and harvest. That's why I love what Paul taught. He said, God knows how to give seed to the sower. Amen. God, I love how easy he makes it for us. He creates a system of seed time and harvest, pops us into it, then gives us, he said, hold out your hand. Put seed in your hand to kickstart the system. You don't have to run all over trying to find a seed. He said, I'll give you seed. I feel the Holy Ghost. He's put something in your hand that when you release it into his kingdom, something begins to move in the engine of seed time and harvest, and your harvest has to answer to your seed. Your seed calls out like, a, like you would call a little puppy to come to you. Your seed begins to shout into your future and calls your harvest to run into your life. Your harvest cannot ignore your seed. It has to answer when it calls. Lift your hands all over this place i declare in the mighty name of jesus that 2019 is going to be your year of an overflow it's going to be a, your year of prosperity it's going to be your year of debts being canceled it's going to be your year that credit card debts not hanging over your head mortgages ain't hanging over your head car payments ain't hanging over your head student loan debts not hanging over your head this is going to be the year by the power of the holy ghost that the blessing of heaven comes upon your house in Jesus name if you believe it shout aloud amen. amen I want you to take an envelope and put it in your hand and here's why blessing financial blessing it's a covenant it's not a promise think about this it's a covenant it's not a promise what's the difference between a promise and a covenant 
A promise is one-sided. I could say to you, now on Wednesday, I'm coming to your house and I'm going to cut your grass. That's a promise. So now that whole thing is based on my word and the integrity of my word. A covenant says this. If you pay me $20, on Wednesday I'll come cut your grass. Now it's two-sided. If she don't pay me $20, I'm not required to come cut the grass. And if I don't cut the grass, she ain't required to pay $20. It's got two sides. The covenant of prosperity is not a promise. That's why not every Christian is blessed financially. Because just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be blessed financially. Oh, hallelujah. But it's a covenant. Being a Christian allows you to step into the covenant of prosperity. It opens the doors for you to get involved with seed time and harvest. And God said, when you do, I'll make sure to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room to contain. So understand that the financial blessing of God, it doesn't answer to fasting, doesn't answer to prayer, doesn't answer to church attendance doesn't answer to anything except a seed being sown. I love Pastor Brian brought it out this morning. Galatians chapter 6, the Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. What he sows. The thing I sow determines the thing I receive. What I release. And here's why I want to encourage you. Because many times we're asking God to take us to another level. To increase us to next level stuff. But see, when God has a plan to increase you, it takes a greater responsibility on your part as well. One of the things I always like to admonish people and encourage them is this. Is that as God keeps leveling you up in your life, then your seeds have to keep leveling up with you. It's like when I was a little boy and I had to go to, you know, I was going to Sunday school. You know, it's like this morning, my son was on the front row and the offering was getting ready to take place. So what did my wife do? She went in her purse and pulled out a dollar, a couple dollars. I don't know what she put. She put it in his hand. Well, he's two. To him, he got paper money. That ain't coins. That ain't jingle jingle. That's paper money. And he's all proud with his one dollar bill. And here he comes marching down. He was about to give it as a first fruit. He was coming straight to pastor, putting his hand. My God. He came right down and sowed that thing in the offering plate. But that's because he's two. He's excited about a $1 offering because he's two. I remember the first time that you start to get your own money as you grow up. I remember the first time I was cutting grass, getting money, all this other stuff. I don't remember the first time I put together an offering of $100. I thought, oh, my Lord Jesus. I'm coming down to put $100 in the offering plate. I thought the place was going to shake with a mighty earthquake when I released it. Literally, I did. I thought, man, I dropped this in the bucket. Ain't nobody in this. See, I didn't know nothing. Nobody, ain't nobody in this church giving $100. I'll tell you that. When I drop this thing, my God, revival's going to break out. And I showed it. But you know what? At that time in my life, $100 to show to God was a big deal to me. That's why it stirred my faith. That's why it got me excited. It meant something. But there came a time in my life it stopped meaning something. Because why? God had blessed me beyond the place same way that a dollar didn't mean anything to me at, at five or ten or whatever, a hundred didn't mean to me the same thing to me anymore because God had leveled me up. So what did he do? I had to level my seeds up. And I remember the first time we were in a meeting, I remember the first time we ever had to write a check in obedience to the Holy Spirit for $1,000 to sow it into the kingdom. Man, I'm telling you, I was like, there's, got, there's nobody in this state 
you know, you don't know because, you know, your, your mentality is at one place. You think you're at, you're, my God, I'm like the Bill Gates of the kingdom of God. No. And I put that, I took that thing for a thousand dollars. Do you remember that? One of the first times, I remember Dr. Leroy Thompson came to the church and he was encouraging everybody to sell a thousand dollar seat. This was back in the day. I mean, this had to be like 15 years ago or more, almost more than that probably. And, and, and we stepped out in faith. Man, we wrote that check for a thousand dollars, came down. First, one of the first times we ever sold a thousand dollar seat, came down. You know, you go into like you're having a baby type breathing. He, 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 who, you're walking it down the aisle. He, he, he. Doctor, what do I do when the contractions are three seconds apart? Sow your seed. That's what you do. And I'm coming down. Whoo, he, he. Because it meant a lot to me at the time. But see, then God keeps leveling you up. And the seeds go up to 2500 They go up to 5000 They go up to $10,000. And the more God levels you up, the more your seed has to level up. Because if not, here's how people get frustrated. Is that they feel like they're hitting a glass ceiling. I feel like I've been at the same place three years. Check your seed. Has God leveled you up, but you haven't leveled your seed up? And if you haven't leveled your seed up, now's the time. Because God's got a plan to take you into greater places than you've ever been. But He doesn't change your level if you're going stay at the same level of dedication so my wife and I even changed the way we pray we don't even pray the same way anymore I used to pray like this oh God I pray in Jesus name give us the biggest blessings this year open the windows of heaven over our house let blessings flow I don't pray that anymore because I understand that stuff doesn't answer to prayer now I pray like this oh God in Jesus name put the largest seeds in my hand that I've ever sown this year in the mighty name of Jesus give me the grace to give more into your kingdom in 2019 than I did in 2018 I played with him I said God in Jesus name please don't let me be a bigger sower last year than I am this year take me to the next level in my dedication in the mighty name of Jesus so that we can go to the next level by the power of the Holy Ghost why I want to be a blessing I want to be a blessing how many want to be a blessing? So that's why we pray. We always pray to ask the Holy Spirit what he would ask us to do. You understand? Because here's the deal. I can't stand up here tonight and say, now I want everybody in this place to get a $1,000 seed ready. Some of you could easily do that. Others of you would have to rob a 7-Eleven. So it's not, everybody's not at the same level. And we understand that. But that's why we listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. Because he knows where all of us are at. And he knows what instruction to give us that will take our faith to release to the kingdom. And when we obey his voice, guess what? The blessing has to flow. The blessing has to flow. I'll say this before we pray. My uncle said this one time. I'll never forget it. My uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth in Virginia Beach, he said, you know, he's had Christians come to him, Pastor, and say, well, you know, I tried that giving thing, that tithing and giving didn't work for me. We tithed and we gave, and I didn't see any harvest coming back. And he said something that shook my spirit. I'll never forget it. He said, oh, people try to say that. He said, but number one, God's not a liar. He said, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He said, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall he cause men to give unto your bosom. He said, but you've got to look at the words of Paul. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. He said what these people didn't understand was is that even though they may have been sowing, their seed that was going out was so insignificant that when their harvest came back, they didn't even notice it. And he said this, and I'll, I, I have it written down in my notes. I'll never forget it. He said, if you don't feel it when it leaves, 
you won't feel it when it comes back. So I made up my mind. My wife and I, we never flippantly give anything and nothing. I won't throw, I don't give something to God in an offering that I wouldn't even give my daughter at her birthday party. Well, here's $10, Lord, don't spend it all in one place. Hallelujah. No, no, no. What I give to God's got to mean something to me. If it doesn't mean something to me, it doesn't mean something to God. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. i got to make sure what I'm doing has to be done by faith. Can you say amen? So take that envelope in your hand. We're going to pray. Hold it. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray now in Jesus' mighty name, speak to every one of us and give us an instruction from heaven. And Lord, as we obey this instruction, we know that you have a blessing on the other side of it. That as we get ready to sow this seed by faith, something's already working on our behalf. Why? Because before we call, you answer. Before we call, you answer. So now we ask you, speak to every man, speak to every woman by the power of your spirit. Give us an instruction from your spirit. We thank you that as we hear it, we'll obey it and we'll be abundantly blessed. In the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe that, somebody shout amen. Amen. Begin to make out your offerings tonight. If you're making out a check, please make it payable to the church, Boomerang Church. You can give online. Instructions are on the screen. Those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, if you'd like to sow a seed in the comments section, it's very easy to do it. You can put hashtag donate and the amount right in the comments, and you can give without ever having to leave the broadcast. For those of you that are giving there on the envelope, you can give by check, cash, credit card, debit card, gold, silver, cryptocurrency, lands, property, stocks, bonds. The only thing we don't take is disobedient children. Amen. Because <laughs> that's not an offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you are ready to give, I want you to stand on your feet all over this house and lift that offering up to the Lord. And thank Him that He is your provider. And that this year you're going to see increase like you've never seen because of His goodness of his power of provision that's in your life father we thank you for speaking a word to us we thank you lord that this seed that's been given as an instruction to us is taking us into the biggest days we've ever seen biggest harvest we've ever seen are coming into our lives and into our hands in the mighty name of jesus we thank you for it and we give you all the praise in jesus mighty name if you believe it somebody shout aloud amen Amen. Come on and sow your seed tonight. If you can
You know, I mean, just kick it with the Holy Ghost and get this year revved up to where it should be in the Spirit. But as he's talking tonight, I'm telling you, there's something special specifically about this one, Kickstart 19, and that is there's a financial kickstart that's special on this meeting. You know, a lot of times the Word says this. He says that finances, he shows us in context, finances is the small thing in the kingdom. I found that if you can understand how finances in the kingdom work, you can get a hold of healing. You can get a hold of protection. You can get a hold of deliverance because it all works the same. But like Christianity 101 is finances. And so if you look at 2 Corinthians 9, and I just, I want you to hold because I want to see if you had the same witness on it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Every good deed. Now, in the King James, it says every good work. God wants, how many people know that God wants you to be about good works? How are you going to do it if you're not walking in abundance? See, God wants to move us to the place of abundance in every area of our life. He wants to teach it to us in finances so that then when we walk by and all of a sudden there's a situation that needs good work to happen. It needs every good work. He can say, hey, there's my kid. There's my child walking like him. And see, we need to be walking in abundance so much. Over in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says that we'd be ready for every good work. We'd be available. We'd be ready for it. There's something on this meeting to kickstart your finances. And you need to not miss it because that anointing is coming into your lives as you open yourself up to receive the word. The Bible shows us in context that a father is worse than an infidel if he doesn't take care of his family. For God to leave us in the place of poverty, it would make him an infidel and he ain't doing it. He's not doing it. He's not doing it. 
And you just need to decide right now. I'm going to be blessed. As a child of the King, I'm going to be blessed. I'm, get it inside of you. Right now, just close your eyes. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to move in abundance. Nothing's going to stop me. Glory to God. Nothing's going to stop me from the blessing of God. Nothing's going to stop me. Glory to God. Nothing's going to stop me. Hallelujah. You're going to walk in the blessing that God has for you. There's something on this conference to break loose in your finances. I don't know who it is, but you need to get it inside of you. It starts getting inside of you so much, you can't keep still. There's something on me. It's getting in me. It's getting me fired up. I'm going to be blessed. Amen. I'm going to walk in His blessing. He's going to kickstart my business. He's going to kickstart my ministry. He's going to kickstart my home. He's going to kickstart me right out of debt. Let it get in you. Listen, open up your heart. Get that fertile soil of your heart ready to receive the seed of the word. Things are changing this week. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Again, high five somebody. Amen. That is some weak high fives, I'm telling you. Woo. I got kids that give me a better high five going out the door every Sunday. They hurt my hand. Yeah, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. Let me check. Suit. Rebuke, rebuke received, brother. I have to work on that. Thank you. I'm not checking my shoes. <laughs> Glory to God. That was good. Shoe. Yeah. I hope that guy got saved. <laughs> I really do. Especially if he gets to hear your testimony. He needs saving. No condemnation. <laughs> Deuteronomy 30, 19. We're going to talk. This is something I want you to know. Now, listen, if you're watching this and you need to get here, you know God's put it in your heart to be here. Get on a plane, get in your car, a bus, a train, whatever it is, but get here because it's different being here than it is watching online. That's great. It's great that we have technology, but the Lord tells us to don't forsake gathering together. There's a reason why we need to come together, and there's impartation to be had, and impartations not to be had by not being here. There's something that's transferred when you are sitting under that word. Uh, the anointing is tangible. We were talking about it uh, today. Uh, you can literally run into the anointing. And uh, somebody was saying, oh, Johnny was telling me at lunch. He said, whoo, that anointing coming off as you were preaching. And I was standing up and receiving. It was like, he said, I was getting it like double sitting there. <laughs> Amen. Wow. There's a tangible anointing yeah. that will raise the dead. There's a resurrection power on the inside like Brother Ted was talking about. And we need to be, learn how to be partakers of that. And one of the first ways of being a partaker of it is to get there. To stop making excuses and let's, let's pay whatever price needs to be paid and get there. 
You know, stop just thinking you're going to get the easy way out. That's worldly thinking. Now, look, we can walk in easy and light, but that simply means that we pull on the grace that God has already afforded us and we let his grace empower us to do supernatural things that look like other people to be really hard, but we step into it by the grace of God. You got to understand how the kingdom works. Look, believe God. Believe God. Do what you got to do. It may look like it's hard to other people, but it won't be hard to you. Amen. It won't be hard. Why? Because you're a child of the king. So I want to talk to you tonight about making a life choice. Making a life choice. A choice of life. And let's look at this verse, Deuteronomy 30. Verse 19, this has been sitting on me for a while. I've been ministering on it some. And I'm telling you, if you're sitting here tonight in this place, I truly believe that you are supposed to hear this message tonight because the Lord brought it up to me specifically. I believe that he said specifically, preach it tonight. And if you're sitting here, he knew you were going to be here and it is for you. And so I believe you are sitting at the exact message you need to hear for tonight because he was pretty specific with me over it. He's not always that way, but on this one he was. And so let's look at this verse, Deuteronomy 30, 19. It says this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. I love this part because, you know, God figures, I guess, if we got deceived, we might need some help. So he says, so choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. And um, now... I'll tell you, I've been reading this verse for years and years and years. And the first time I read this verse and probably the next hundred times I read this verse, I got there to where it said, you know, I call heaven and earth to testify in the King James, testify against you or witness against you. I'm like, I don't like that. I don't want to be witnessed against. Against? I don't know. What in the world? I don't like that. Testify against. And I just sat wrong with me, you know. And how can the Word of God sit wrong with me? It's because I didn't understand it. So I just started praying. I just asked the Lord, what does this verse mean? What, is, what are we talking about here? You know, but, and I found out when the Lord opened it up to me, it was so powerful. It was so powerful what is in this verse. And uh, so I just, I got really excited about it then. So look at this. I want you to, before we answer that question, he says, I call heaven and earth. To testify against you. Now I want you to see something. Why is heaven so important in this situation? Um, you know that over in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 it says this. It says that the things uh, that you see, and I'm paraphrasing, the things that you see were made of things which do not appear. So in other words, the things that you see, the physical things, they had a root from something that you couldn't see. In other words, there was a spiritual root to the physical side that you do see. There was a, there was a spiritual root to the physical manifestation. So God took out of the spiritual and formed that physical. So you start to see that everything that you see, it may be physical to your eyes, but there's a root to it. There's a beginning, and that beginning is spiritual. In other words, if I'll handle the spiritual, the physical will line up. If I'll handle the spiritual side of things, what I need physically will start to line up. Well, in this, we look at, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. 
And this is where the disciples, they ask them to pray. How do we pray? And Jesus starts to teach them how to pray. And then Jesus says this, pray in this way. So these are red letters, Jesus talking. Do you reckon this is a good way to pray? Anybody feel like you'd be safe by praying this way? Anybody? All right, just, just checking. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then verse 10. I'm so glad you could join us, Miss Carol. <laughs> oh, yeah. Temperance. She got over it. I'm so glad. <laughs> you just caught me off guard. I wasn't looking up. And all of a sudden you went walking. I was like, who is that? <laughs> Ushers. <laughs> Ushers. Johnny. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I know when I learned this uh, prayer, I always kind of made this into two different sentences, like your will be done, period. You know, on earth as it is in heaven, period. Now, I don't even know what that sentence meant, on earth as it is in heaven by itself. But when I grew up, it was the most amazing thing. I read this again. I saw the comma and I realized that I had missed a major truth. I had missed the fact that God was saying, let my will be done, telling me to pray, Father, your will be done on earth the same way it is in heaven. Now see, when we understand that there's a spiritual root, God's saying there's a spiritual root and promise in heaven and your job, your responsibility, Christian, your responsibility, believer, is to call on God and as an ambassador, draw down the will of God in heaven and bring it into manifestation in this earth. Well, that's the same, that is the same mission that was in Genesis uh, where God gave it to Adam. He gave it to Noah, right? He just kept giving that same mission to mankind, even, even going on to Abraham where he was saying, look, I want you to take my will. I want you to have dominion and spread it over the whole earth. Well, what was his will? Heaven. His will, if it happens in heaven, he wants it here on the earth. Well, that explains so much doctrine because all of a sudden you just ask this question. Any sickness in heaven? Nope. Well, what does he want then on the earth? My will, he's already told us how to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No sickness in heaven, he wants no sickness here. But whose job is it? To believe and see that thing manifested. Not his. He's already empowered it to be. It's the believer's job to start being the ambassador they've been called to be. Well, do you see poverty in heaven? No. So what does he want here? He wants prosperity to be here just like it is in heaven. Matter of fact, I mean, you just, you don't, you, if you needed money, just kick a rock up in heaven. The streets are made of gold. It's everywhere. It's like normal to God. Like it's no problem. Just just kick it, right? And so then all of a sudden you start to see, man, that's the way you want me to live down here. That's what Ted was talking about earlier is we've got to wake up to the fact that God does not want you broke. God does not want us broke. He wants us living in abundance. Kick-started in every, uh, every area of prosperity, whether that be our health, 
our finances, our protection, deliverance, restoration, every area of prosperity is where he wants us. Now, if he set those things in heaven, why does heaven become important? Because that's where you see, one, the will of God done, but it's also where it's the seat of his authority. When you look at this, uh, Hebrews 8 and verse 1, Hebrews 8, 1 says, now the main point, now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. In other words, there is a seat of God's authority in heaven. There's a seat of God's authority in heaven. So heaven becomes important to us because one, we see where, how his will is done. Two, it represents the authority of God. So let me ask you this question. And, and although if God walks into this room and he speaks something, now this might not be right for us to be this way, but versus I say something. Which one are you going to listen to more? You're going to listen to the Lord. Now, Paul teaches us that when you're in a service like this and the Lord's speaking through a man, you ought to receive that like God talking, not like it's just a man. So that may, we may need to work on that some. But here's my point. I, I'm a man. I've got a flesh, right? I've got a flesh. There's times where I've said things wrong. You know, what I want, to un, want you to understand is when God says something, it's done. It's done. Heaven represents the seat of his authority and his rule. And when he speaks it from heaven, it's done. It's done. Now, I'll tell you, when we start to line up and walk in the holiness of God and move in his anointing, we can move to the place where when we speak, it becomes done just as much because it's empowered by God. But it's our job to move to that place where we recognize who we are, what we are, and we start speaking like him, right? We've got to move to that place where we start operating as the ambassadors that God's called us to be. Is that just for Ted and I? No, that's not just for us. This is for every believer, every Christian. Mark 16, you know, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Cast out devils, right? They, those that believe, not just those that are called to the fivefold ministry. No, every believer. If you're a believer, say amen. amen. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm carrying it. Carrying that power that Ted was talking about this morning, right? You're carrying resurrection power inside of you. Do you realize that is your inheritance as a believer? Over in Ephesians chapter 1, it shows you what, are, what kind of power are we talking about? The great power that we're talking about? The same power that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you. In Romans 8 and then over in Ephesians 1, it is resurrection power in every believer. Well, I don't feel like it. You're not going off of feelings. We're going off of what does this word say? I've had times when I'm ministering, I was telling somebody the other day, uh, when I first started praying for people to be healed, I, I, I started feeling that anointing when it would release. I'd feel it in some way. I'd sense that the anointing was flowing. It was about year two or three of pastoring. Uh, all of a sudden I went to pray for people and I'm like, oh, I don't feel anything. Nothing. 
And it was about two years. Every time I prayed, I sensed nothing. But see, we don't move by feelings. We move by that word. I had to say, even though I feel nothing, your word is true. Let every man be a liar. Even if my feelings aren't telling me that it's there, I believe it's there. I believe your word will come through. I'm telling you, more people got healed during those two years than they had before. Whether I felt it or not. You might not feel holy. You might not feel like resurrection powers inside of you. But it is. If you are a believer, you are called to something. And you've got something inside of you that's stronger than what you feel. You've got something inside of you that's stronger. So heaven is the, we see the will of God, but we also see his authority. And you'll notice in uh, Matthew 16, 19, he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. And he says, whatever you bind on earth, and, and what does he say? Will be also bound in heaven. So in other words, what he's telling us is, if you will do what you need to do on the earth, I'll make it so in heaven, my place of rule and authority. And from heaven, I will rule that what you determine on the earth will be so. So this, we start to see this partnership with God that he's given to us as his children and as his sons. And we got to start to understand, this is who I am. This is who I am as a believer. This is who I am as a son, as a child of God. This is who I am. When I say and I operate according to his will and according to his promise here on the earth, in heaven, God makes a ruling and all of a sudden that ruling comes down and heaven has backed me up. And when he backs me up from heaven it shall be done on the earth it shall be done so heaven's important to us it's important in this now let's look at this let's go to uh, mark chapter 11 and verse 20 how many of you know this these scriptures is is kind of the how-to of faith and so jesus is passing by the fig tree and uh, he says, let no man eat fruit from you again forever. And then they pass by the next day or the next time they come by. And all of a sudden, the fig tree is withered up from the roots, right? And the disciples in verse 20, they were passing by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. He says, truly I say, now look at what he says is available when we start to have faith in God. Now, what I want you to understand is when you look at a a very, um, this wording here is a little bit different than the way that they would have said it in their language. In English today, it would almost better be translated like this. Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Right? That, that would be a more accurate translation the way that we speak today. Have the God kind of faith. So then he goes on to describe how the God kind of faith works. Right? And so he's saying, have the God kind of faith. And then he says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. That's a promise. It will be granted. Now, here's one of the things that's very interesting about that is, what is he telling us is available when we will apply the God kind of faith? Believer, what's available to you 
when you will apply the God kind of faith. What's available to you? He's saying, look, it's as big, at the very least, it's as big as this mountain. Take a whole mountain and cast it into the sea if you'll learn how to use the God kind of faith. Now, how many believers you know are walking in this? That's what I thought. <laughs> but how many can? All. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. See, you're hearing something tonight. Maybe you've not heard it put this way. But you need to get your heart to the place where every, all of a sudden something starts stirring inside of there. Wait a minute, I can do this? Just like when, when Brother Ted was speaking a few minutes ago. Wait a minute, I can be wealthy? Wait a minute, I can be rich? Wait, wait, wait a minute. That's not where I've been all my life. It makes no difference. You can be now. He was telling you the whole time. You can be wealthy. You can be rich. You can walk in prosperity. You can walk in abundance no matter where you've been or what family you come from, what color your skin is, what side of the tracks you grew up on, you can be. And I'm telling you now that when you apply the God kind of faith, nothing shall be impossible to you. Nothing. And you got to start letting that thing rise up inside of you. And listen, it's going to go beyond your logic. And that's the problem with a lot of, lot of folks is they let their logic get in the way of what is available to them through God. Yeah. They've got to back up off of that. And you got to say, you know what? I got to be like that child. I got to be like that child on Christmas morning that gets so excited and so expectant. I got to see that these things are available to me. Have the God kind of faith. Now, watch. Let's keep reading. He says, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things. How many? All. Oh, do you know... Um, just offhand what the Greek word there for all, what does it mean? All. For real? All. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're here. I appreciate that. I, I needed it. Um, all means all. 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 How many? So then why is it we stop believing or, or we hesitate? If all means all, we ought to start opening up our mind and blowing away the glass ceiling that this world has taught us to live by the limits of. we got to start moving and, and raising our thinking up to bigger things. Raising our thinking up to bigger things. Listen, if, if when God speaks to you, you're not challenged in your mind, it probably wasn't God speaking. It probably wasn't God speaking. You've got all things available to you, all things available to you. When you apply the God kind of faith and to you, when you hear from him, nothing shall be impossible to you. And, and all of a sudden we're going to understand it all and be able to logic all out. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. These things are spiritually discerned. you got to let your spirit get engaged and get your mind out of some of it where the world has taught you how to limit those things in your head. you got to start letting God draw you up to a higher place. All right. All things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. It's very important here to understand. Believe that you have received them. I'm not believing for healing. I'm not believing for prosperity. 
I, what the word tells me when I have the God kind of faith is to believe that I've already received prosperity, that I've already received healing. And you start to see, well, when you understand that spiritual makeup, you start to understand through Christ, he's already given me everything I ever need. He paid the price for me and I have all things in him. Whatever things are the father, he's given to the son and everything the son has, he's given it to us. It's already given to you. You already have it in your heaven account. It's simply a matter of applying the God kind of faith. Many times this is what people don't understand. They keep trying to believe uh, you know, for the manifestation. They believe for healing itself. And what they don't understand is you've already received it. You already have it. And I need to believe that I've received it. This is the God kind of faith. All right. And then he says this. He says, whatever you believe that you have received, they'll be granted to you. They'll be granted. And then he says, verse 25, I think it's important to include it. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. Now, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Now, this gets us to this place. How can you have the God kind of faith? Are you God? <laughs> Are you God? Then how can... Now, let's, let's back it up a little bit from that. If God told you to have it, can you have it? Why can you operate in something that God operates in. Now, Brother Ted said this morning, he said, as a matter of fact, I pulled it up in Psalms. I want you to see this. Psalms 82, verse 6. 82, 6. We were talking about it. it. This blows people's minds. They don't like talking about this. They don't understand. They don't understand the power of what God's actually done in you. For a while, we were lower than the angels, but that is not where we're at now. Right. He says this, even, this is the Old Testament. Now, I want you to see this, Psalm 82.6. Listen to this, the Old Testament. He says, and I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You're gods. Yeah. <laughs> Little g, you're not the God, right. but you're sons, you're children of God Most High. And then if that's not enough, Jesus, let's go over here, John 10, 34. Jesus says it himself when he quotes that same scripture in red letters, John 10, 34. He says, Jesus answered them, has it not been written in your law, I said, you are God's? And in other words, he, Jesus was saying, God the Father said that you are God's. And see, they were trying to accuse him of blasphemy because he was saying he was the child of God. He was the son of God. And he said, don't you know that you're God's now? In other words, their religion had taken them to a place where they couldn't even accept who they were. And so when they had this dude showing up trying to preach that he was the son of God, he's like, look, you don't even know who you are. You're trying to accuse me of blasphemy. You don't know that you're a child of God, that you're made in his image and likeness. You don't know it. 
But you are made in his image and likeness. There's something inside of you. Listen, over in Genesis, you just read through it. And God said, it says, let every seed produce after its kind. And the fish, they produced after their kind. And the seeds, they produced after their kind. And, and the animals, they produced after their kind. But then it gets all the, and it says in verse uh, 26 and 27, and God said, let us make man in our image. In other words, I'm going to make man after the seed of my kind. I'm going to make him in in my image and my likeness and I'm going to give him my glory and he's going to wear my glory and he'll be able to speak and he'll be able to talk. He'll be able to use faith like I use faith. He'll take my faith and when he does that he'll be able to take the domain of God all the way from the garden and spread it over the whole and the word tells us later it says over all the works of his hands. All the works of his hands. You were made not to be beat up by the devil. You were made as the children of God, designed in His image, designed in His likeness, able to take the ways of God, the mechanics that He designed and put into action, His ways that are holy, the mechanics of the kingdom. And He said, and you'll be able to operate like me. You are not an animal. You're not of the animal kingdom. You're of the God kingdom. You're of His class. You are not of that animal kingdom. That's a lie. That's a complete lie. Matter of fact, it says, if you go into Genesis 1 and uh, you go to verse 25, it talks about where he made all the beasts. And then he saw, he created the beast. He said that it was good. And he was done with the beast. And then he made man. You are not in the animal kingdom. You are in the class of God himself, made to carry his glory, made to carry his likeness and his image, made to carry the power of God to be the ambassador and take his dominion and take it over all the works of his hands. It's the mission in the garden. It's the mission after the flood. It's the mission to Abraham. And it is the mission for you. Lord, I pray right now that your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Just like it is in heaven. Just like it is in heaven. When you start to see that, you start to realize, my goodness, I can put on faith. And when I put on faith like God puts on faith, the things will start to line up like they line up for God. And all of a sudden, when you speak, you start to realize that I'm calling something into being. I'm moving things around, and I'm taking them from the state that they've been in, and I'm going to move them into the state that God wants them to be in. I'm going to move them from where they have been in captivity and bondage, and I'm going to bring the freedom of God and the blessing of God, and I can do it because I'm His ambassador. Now, you don't go around like a rogue ambassador just saying whatever whatever you want to do. Well, Jesus walked on water, so I'm going to walk on water. Glory to God. No, that's not glory to God. He didn't tell you to do that yet. You know, he tells you, do it, do it. Praise God. And there have been people, missionaries today, like in this century, walking on water when they needed to. And listen, I'm believing God to do big things. I'm not going to limit him. But listen, Jesus only did what he heard the Father say. He only did. So when I get my relationship right with God, I'm believing God that he's going to tell me some big and mighty things and some supernatural things I ain't never seen or heard of before. I'm believing God to to do some impossible supernatural stuff. But if you don't even know that you're created like that, then where's your faith going to be that he'll even speak to you like that? 
You got to start to know who you are and what you're called to be. You got to know that you're made in his image so that then when he says, have the God kind of faith, you don't take it and just read past it. You read that and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to put on faith like you did because I'm made like you. I'm made. I'm made in your image. I'm made in your likeness. I can operate the same way that you can. And all of a sudden you start to speak like this in your home and that sickness has got to go. You start speaking like this to your uh, finances, to your bills, and that debt's got to be erased. You start speaking that to that overflow and that abundance. All of a sudden things got to line up because you've lined up yourself with the word of God and operating like God did and it has no other response but to do that. So now, how did God use faith? Genesis 1-3 is what he did. How did he use his faith? Well, he believed in his heart and then he spoke. Let there be light. Guess what happened? There was light. Let there be fish in the sea. Guess what was? Fish in the sea. Let us make man. And he formed man and, and blew his breath into him. That's right. In other words, God spoke. The God kind of faith speaks the thing and believes in his heart. Over in James chapter 3. And here's, here's what happens. When you start to speak like God... And you believe in your heart. The moment you confess that thing and speak like God, it must come into action when you believe it. It has to. Why? Because God set up the system. God set up that system. But see, a lot of times we want to believe stuff, but we're just not there yet. I want to believe that I walk in divine health, but I, I, I've still had to struggle with this. Or I want to believe that I, I'm out of debt, but I've, I still have those creditors calling me. I, I want to believe that I'm in abundance, but I still feel like I've been just my nose above water here. And so you're heading that direction. You're heading the direction of the promises of God, but you're not there yet. The, the word tells us in James 3... The thing you've got to do is start knowing what he's promised you. But then he says in James 3, he says, your tongue is like the rudder on a ship. So in other words, if I'm over here in some kind of poverty in my life, be it, be it uh, sickness or finances or something like that, and I see that over there is the promise of God, I've got to start putting my mouth to that, I've got to start confessing what the promise of God is, but I've got to get it in my heart. I can start confessing it, but I might not believe it yet. But if I'll confess it, my life, the ship of my life will start to turn to the promise of God. I believe that I walk in divine health. I believe that I'm abundantly prosperous. I believe that I have everything I need for every good work. And what it does, I start to steer my life straight towards that. What am I doing? I'm applying the God kind of faith. And although my heart back here might not have believed it, the more I confess that thing, all of a sudden it starts to grow in my heart. And then all of a sudden it says, out of the treasure of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I keep that ship of my life pointed towards the promises of God. I'm going to end up at the place where heart belief aligns up in my life and I get here and I confess it and that thing, all of a sudden, that mountain that was holding me back gets cast into the sea. All of a sudden, the prosperity goes over. Now, let's look at this verse again. 
Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you. Now listen to this very carefully. Life and death. Life and death. Blessing and curse, so choose life. Now, let's look real quick. Just hold your place there. We're coming right back to it. Let's look at Proverbs 18 and verse 20. Making the choice for life. Proverbs 18, verse 20. With the fruit of the man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. In other words, when I put the promises of God and the word of God in my mouth, my whole life will be satisfied by what I put in my mouth, what I start to confess. You remember what God said uh, over in Romans chapter 4? It talked about Abraham and it talked about how God calleth those things that be not as though they were. In other words, the God kind of faith said, look, because I believe it, uh, it says, because I believed and therefore I spoke. Right? There's a belief. When it came in my heart, now I speak that thing out and I apply the God kind of faith. He says there in Romans 4, he says, he calls God, called the things that be not as though they were. Let there be light. Let there be life in my finances. Let there be favor in my job. Let there be health in my body. Let me carry an anointing. Look at verse 21. Death and life. Aren't we talking about the choice between death and life? Where does the Bible tell us that the choice is made? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You want to understand kingdom dynamics. You've got to start putting your mouth on the promises of God and let nothing else come out of your mouth. You, you've got to get tired and, and of hearing yourself say, well, I just take one step forward and two steps back. Well, you know, you got to get tired of yourself being in such a ditch and you keep saying, I can't win for losing. You've got to get to the place where you allow your mouth to line up with the things of God and start to confess the way God confessed. I'm blessed. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I have abundance. I move in prosperity. I, I increase like Jesus did. The verse you mentioned this morning, Luke 2.52. Jesus continued to increase. He kept increasing in wisdom and stature or maturity and favor with God and man. And Paul said it over in Acts. He said, and we kept increasing. God wants increase on your life and you've got to get it in your mouth and get it in your heart and then you'll start acting like God. You start talking about debt and lack and deficit. Those are words used by the enemy to steal, kill and destroy. They're not used by God. God talks in prosperity, overflow. He sees great big things and he calls you to supernatural and you've got to start getting that in your heart. Getting that big thinking in your heart. You've got to get it in your heart and get it in your mouth. Just a couple of years ago, um, we, the Lord, I would say three years ago now, 
I was at a church and uh, heard somebody speaking one morning. And they were talking about uh, a debt canceling anointing. And the Lord put it on my heart right then. He said, you need to confess. Brother Hagin used to say this. There was, a, there was a move of God going across the country, a healing revival. And I mean things, and he was teaching faith. Brother Hagin used to say to other ministers, he would say, uh, I'll be here long after you're here because you're moving by the anointing and by the move that God's got sweeping. He said, but I will rely on the word. In other words, and I'll be here long after you will. That's You've right. heard that? And then what he was saying was this, I will take the mechanics in this word and learn how to apply them whether or not a move is happening or not. I will learn the promise that's in here that's designed for me as a believer and I will grow in it. I will apply it. I won't be ignorant in spiritual things and I'll know how to apply this whether God's doing something special or not. He's already declared something special for every believer and every believer that will get inside of those promises promises will be able to do things other people aren't doing. Whether God's calling a special move or not, we'll operate in God kind of faith. That's where we can operate. But we got to learn how to do those things. And Lord, so the Lord prompted me. He said, I want you, I want you to start confessing. He said, I want you to start confessing. We are out of debt and we carry a debt canceling anointing. We are out of debt and we carry a debt canceling anointing. Uh, go get Luke. Go get Luke real quick. And get a microphone for me. So I started speaking. I started speaking that. We are out of debt and we carry a debt canceling anointing. And Lord uh, gave us a way to bring it up on a regular basis. If we saw something like we saw matching numbers, right? You were there. You were there when that happened, right? He was talking about 555, yeah. And uh, we were there in that service. And all of a sudden, we, I said, you know what, Lord, anytime I see matching numbers, I'm going to confess. We are out of debt and we carry a debt-canceling anointing. We are out of debt and we carry a debt-canceling anointing. Well, uh, we started confessing that and believing God for it. What am I doing? I'm applying the God kind of faith. I'm setting the ship of my life on a course for the promise of God. I'm lining up with promises he made in here. He wants us to be the lender, not just me, you. He wants you to be the lender and not the borrower. How can you lend if you don't even have money to pay your bills or you're just living right paycheck to paycheck? You can't lend without an abundance. You need an abundance. You need that abundance operating all the time. Well, sure enough, I went, uh, I was praying, I started saying this, and every time I'd see 111, I'd see 222, I'd see 333, whatever it was, 1111, 1212, all of a sudden, I'd say, you know what, we are out of debt and carrying a debt canceling anointing, right? Well, I didn't know it, but Luke was listening, and he was about three years old, three and a half at the time, when I'm sitting there, maybe four, it was about a year ago, and uh, I say, 1111, and all of a sudden in the back, I said, we are, and Luke goes, we are out of debt and carrying the debt, canceling anointing. I'm like, glory to God. He had heard dad speak it so much, confessing the promises of God. It had gotten in him. Come here, buddy. Come here real quick. (laughs) All right. Come here. How are you? I know we did it before. Come here. We're going to do it again. Hey, stop. 
Okay. All right. So, 808. We are out that and carrying it. Oh, that's just louder than that. <laughs> We are out of debt and carrying a debt canceling anointing. We are walking in the full manifestations of our inheritance. In Christ. Amen. Good. Now see, what my point is, you've got to get to the place where it's so much inside of you, it gets inside of the people around you. Now here's what God did with that. He took that confession. It started producing faith. Guess what else it started producing? It started producing a debt-canceling anointing. Well, after about a year to a year and a half of that confession, the Lord told me, I want you to start teaching on increase and bye-bye debt and hello abundance. It was a series. Bye-bye debt, hello abundance. We were canceling our debt. Everybody brought in their debt. They wrote it down. In a year's period of time, in this body and the people that were attached to it, we saw over $950,000 worth of debt by the anointing completely supernaturally erased. That confession, that God kind of faith is what caused that to supernaturally move out of people's lives. Not only that, but we believed in increase. We saw over $150,000 of salary increase. Every year, over $150,000. Every year, complete increase plus money from where we were to where we went to. Why? Because we're out of debt and carry a debt-canceling anointing. And then we added, that worked so well, I went, man, I need to add to this confession right here that I'm saying all the time. So I added, we walk in the full manifestation of our inheritance in Christ in Jesus' name. We walk in the full manifestation. That means we walk in an anointing for healing. We walk in an anointing for protection. We walk in an anointing for deliverance and restoration. We walk in an anointing to win souls. We walk in an anointing to make disciples. We walk in the fullness. In the abundance that God has for us. As we moved into that, all of a sudden those things started happening. Boom. Boom. God starts saying, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. We do those things and we start lining up where, where God wants us to be. And the anointing starts to overflow in every area of our life and ministry. Why? We're simply applying the things of God. Now let's look at this verse as we wrap up. I want you to see this. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. And I was sitting there going, I don't like that heaven and earth is testifying against me. But that's not really what it's saying. Let me show you what it's saying. Let me have somebody that can be the believer, right? So, uh, Justin, will you, will you stand up right here? And let's have you be, just stand right there. And uh, I, need, I need two guys. Let's have Corey. There you go. Let's have, let's have Corey and Chad. Will you come right here? And just stand right here paired up side by side. And if you can imagine this, what we have is a courtroom. We have a courtroom with a legal thing going on. And God says, I'm going to set it up like this. As the judge of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth... I call you to witness or to testify on whatever choice that this believer makes. I call you to compare what he says out of his mouth in the God kind of faith. And then he says, heaven, you compare what you see 
versus what he said and applied in faith and believes in his heart. Heaven, I want you to compare it. Testify against what you see versus what he said. And whatever he said, according to the God kind of faith, you move to make it happen. Give a testimony about what he chose. And then earth, by the authority in heaven and the rule of God, you testify according to what he said and the choice of death and life that he made. So all of a sudden we got believer over here saying, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe that God wants me out of debt. I'm going to believe that God wants me healthy. I'm going to believe. And so he starts to speak and to testify the promises of God. He, The Lord told me a beloved and I am his beloved. Above all things he wishes that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Lord my soul delights in you. My soul delights in you and I'm growing in you. And all of a sudden this believer starts to confess, use the God kind of faith that belief gets down inside of his heart and heaven and earth has no choice because God has already commanded them. Glory to God. God's already commanded them. They have to do what God's told them to do. When you see a believer speak with his mouth and use the God kind of faith, when you see that believer believe in his heart and confess the promises of God, heaven, you must make a ruling. You must come into line based off of the testimony you see and your testimony has to line up. It can't be any different. Earth, now, because you take your orders from there, if it's done, if you'll speak it in heaven, then it'll be done in earth. If it's done in heaven, it'll be done here. If it's done in the spiritual, it'll be done in the physical. Earth, testify to what has been said and believed. Testify. And when he says, healing is mine in Jesus' name, heaven and earth now testify. They, they weigh what has he said, what is he believing, versus what has it been. And whatever he's saying and believing, it must now be. You see that? And all of a sudden you start to realize this is a beautiful verse because if I'm over here as a believer and I start to know who I am in Christ and I know who I am and how I'm made, I'm made in the image and the likeness of God and I start to speak the blessing of God over my life, over my family, over my church, over the body. I know already heaven and earth have no other option but to line up with what I speak, but to line up with the power of God, to line up with what He's called me to be. All of a sudden you you start to realize everything's changing today. Everything is changing today because what I speak made in the image and likeness of God and by His heart, heaven and earth's already been told, line up. Line up. Give a testimony as to what I make a choice in. And I choose it. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. It's no longer, boy, get down off that couch. You're going to break your neck. No, 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 it's like, no, son, you need to be wise right there. And you just make sure you teach them wisdom, not fear. You start to speak those things. You know, y'all be careful. No, take no care on you. Take no care. Be wise, yes, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. You are made in his image. You've got to line up what you say along with what God says. And when you do it, heaven and earth will back you. Heaven and earth will produce that thing. This is something that God set up as a principle. Thank you.
you guys. This is something that God set up for you today to learn, to walk in, and know that everything's changing. What is it you're believing for today? What is it that God's dropped in your heart? What is it, the call in ministry that he's told you to do? What is it that he's called you up to? What are those things? You think you can't hit those things? I'm telling you, in a day. Remember what he said? This time looked like the whole city surrounded. Nobody's, everybody's going to die. But the prophet said, this time tomorrow, it'll be a feast in here. I'm telling you, I don't care what you're called to. Uh, well, I don't feel anointed. Doesn't matter what you feel. What has God called you to? What has he told you to do? It's not about where you've been, how you've been, where, what level you've been at. It's about who you're made like and what do you have available as a child and a son of God. Amen. What is it in business that he's called you to? You think, uh, I, oh, 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 glory to God. <laughs> Bill Winston. Yeah. Bill Winston, just last week, he started talking about, he said, do you know how many times in the Word of God, and God doesn't just talk about millionaire, he speaks a billionaire. Yeah. He speaks a billion flow, billion flow. See, we've been so limited because we've listened to a world from this high. As soon as we could understand English, we started taking our cues from the world instead of taking our cues from the Word of God. Not knowing who we are or what we're created to be. God's called you to be something mighty. He's looking for somebody whose heart is pure towards Him that He might do great mighty things, do exploits through them. Show himself strong on their behalf. Will you be one that God shows himself strong on your behalf? Will you allow him to generate some faith inside your heart? To, will you allow him to draw your faith to a new level? Or will you just put the clamps on? No, that don't even make sense. Plus, I don't even know if I like that guy. <laughs> I don't care if you like me, but like God in his ways. Yeah. Like God in his ways. He's got some great things for you, but you've got to get to the place where you release the clamps of your logic and let the supernatural start to invade your spirit and take your thinking to a higher level. You've got to start growing up to higher places. God does, did not put you in this earth to be mediocre. God did not put you here to be a medium place. He put you in here to put, bring you up to a high place. He said earlier, he said he wanted to make Abraham's name great. Over in Isaiah 60, it talks about this, Arise, shine, your light has come. And he talks about bringing the glory of God and giving it to you. And then it says, Nations will come to, not his glory, your glory. Because he's wanting always to partner with mankind. From the beginning of time till now, he's been looking for a man that he can say, He'll do everything that That's I want. It in my heart. He, from the beginning of time, he didn't have to have Adam do anything. He said, Adam named the animals like God couldn't do it. Like God couldn't do it. He wanted to partner with mankind. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Then he goes over to Abraham. He says, he could have just gone in, wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah, but he says, no, I'm going to go talk to my man Abraham. He goes and he lets Moses talk to him. He says, Moses, what do you want me to do about these people? He's like, I, I think I just want to kill him. Moses like, no. He, it wasn't because he was going to kill him. He knew what Moses was going to say. 
He wanted a man to partner with. He's looking still. It's over in 2 Chronicles, it talks about he's looking for someone whose heart is pure towards him, who won't allow the limits of the flesh and the limits of the world to bind them and hold them down. But he'll say, God, you are such a great and mighty God. What do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with me? And I see your character. I see your nature. And I know you want to do something great and mighty through me. And I might not can even, even fathom what it is right now. But I know it's awesome. And Lord, I want to be used by you. Yeah. I want to be used by you. And we rise up from the place of mediocrity. And we start moving into the place where God can pull us into that area where the power and the glory of God is on us. Come up here and get help her up here. He's not called you in one place just to be mediocre. He's called that the glory of God might come on you in fullness. In the name of Jesus. Let the fire of God burn inside of you. Never to be mediocre again. Stop thinking like it and start thinking like heaven. Start thinking like a child of the God most high. Start thinking like a daughter of the King of Kings. Raise your thoughts up. Raise your thoughts up. Break those yokes off of that thinking now. God's calling you to more. He's 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 calling you to more. That's the anointing drawing her to more. Just close your eyes. Let the anointing do what the anointing does. It says, come up here. Come up higher. Come up here. Come up here. Come up higher. Stop the limitations. Paul and Jade, come up here. He's calling you. Come up here. Come up higher. Come up higher. See, you think that you've stretched with your mind so far, and he's like, <laughs> it's... You haven't even begun, but begin now in Jesus' name. Begin now. Begin now. Breath of new thought. Yeah. Man, it may be able to be helped. Ha 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 ha! Bring him on up here.
That's the anointing. Light in the fire. Obanyoto for Rekinio. Ah! Pots and below to know. Pere me. Pure me kayase. Oh! Fire of God! Fire of God! Say, Beretono. Monica Mosubal, Semero, Miss Natalie, Belama, Yatuno Shikavo, Sovarvan Von Sieb. He's saying, Come up higher. You've just begun. You've only just begun. You've just begun to see the greatness of God in your life. You've just begun. You've seen so much more than what you knew, and yet you just begun. Glory to God. Oh, I'm going say, hey, you just begun. You just begun. Let it sink. Yeah. Bonamosabo. Yeah, stay with him. Fresh breath of the Holy Ghost. Chamaro Bayadi. Balakaramos. Yeah, fire of God. Stoke the coals, Lord. Yeah, stoke the coals, Father. In Isaiah chapter 6, it took a man who was scared of God and the fire of God touched him for a brief moment. And all of a sudden, the fire of God took a man who was scared of him. And he said, he turned him into a bold witness to do great and mighty things. From one verse, one verse. And he says, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people. He saw all of his unrighteousness and the fire of God came and purified him. And in a moment he turned and said here I am send me let the fire of God purify that heart hey 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 fire of God yeah that fire of God in calls not left it's not left and it's not missing it's not left and it's not missing but let the fire burn and purify in the name of Jesus. Yeah, he loves you with an everlasting love. Yeah, peace and joy of God be in Jesus' name. Yeah, they got you. Peace joy full in the Holy Ghost in Jesus name just let her sit easy let her sit easy hold her down help her down now listen what I'm about to tell you a lot of people take it and they apply it so personal that they think that they have to move outside of humility and submission. 
That is not God's way. The greatest power of God was released through the humility of Jesus Christ and his submission to the Father. So what I'm about to tell you is not telling you to go and start your own thing. I don't know what your story is, but I can tell you this. God's saying, think bigger, think higher, and let me be who I want to be. Like David in Acts 13, 22, a testimony that said, by God himself, he was a man after my own heart who would do everything that I'll ask him to do, that I want him to do. Draw yourself into a separation from the world and watch what God starts to plan in your heart and your mind to draw your thinking up higher to do great and mighty things to be used by God and that can be to be a support to, to a man of God like Edwin or it can be wherever you are it can be a support but it'll be a supernatural support and in that place God will do His greatest work in you he desires to do such great things in you such great things such great things such great things In Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, touch her with your fire like never before. Touch her with your fire. Fire of God. Bost of Ropanini. Oh, yes, Dene. Roma Tarukuru. Glory be unto God Almighty. Hey, yeah. Hold on a moment. Don't rush his touch. Listen to that. Don't rush his touch. Let his touch do what it needs to do in you. Don't rush it to the point where you feel like, oh, I've got to go do something now. Let his touch do what it does. Until he tells you to go, you just let that touch of God burn on the inside of you so that he can purify and bring you to that place. He'll tell you. He'll make it clear. He'll make it so clear what to do and when to do it. Don't rush the touch. Many people, they jump right out. Now, a lot of times you'll pray for them. You'll see it on a small level. They'll be up here. You'll get prayer. And all of a sudden, they'll be like, boom. And then they're, boom, right back to their seat. Because they rush the touch of God. Let God do what God wants to do. He knows how to fix you better than anybody else. He knows what you need. He knows where you came from. Don't rush the touch of God. Tonight, if you're wanting a touch, you're wanting me or, or Ted to pray for you, I just invite you to come up now. 
come up now. We're not done for the week. We're going to pray, have words for other people. But if you want that touch, that fire, that burning coal to take you to a higher level, if you want to start operating in new levels of the faith of God, recognizing who you are, I invite you, come up now. Come up now. some music lightly back there so Ted can minister with me. Father, we just thank you for your anointing and your presence. Lord, meet this hunger. Meet this hunger, Father. Father, I, I just, I demand according to your word, your word says that you will satisfy the thirsty soul. Lord, the people that hunger and thirst after you, they shall be filled. Lord, fill them up. In Jesus' name. Bacalitiste, Roma, Boboroma, Alea Ostek Roma, Dieta Coma, Pandastotarocoromo, Hebebrebedest, Hamalocadiste. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Ha Yeho Balocomosavi, Banamosavi. Yep, new fire, new fire that will even ignite business. It's that fire. New fire. New fire. Kindle it, Lord. Kindle it. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Blessing be. <laughs> Blessing be. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. Fire of God. Fire 